Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlotnik, and today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my really good friend, Mark Jackson, also known as MJ. And let me try this in Spanish. Benediciones y Alegría. Did I say it right? Well done. Well done. Excellent. Well done, Mike. Thank you. You've been training me, and I'm an old dog. Uh, Slow to learn new tricks. (laughs) But uh, uh, I think you're learning pretty well. I think you're you're learning pretty well, man, without a doubt. So tell me a little bit what's new. What's new in the world of MJ, house family? Yeah. Uh, I saw some some posts on Facebook. You were playing golf with your youngest son. And uh, I know you're an avid golfer. And uh, what's yeah. new? And then we'll go straight into the business. Yeah. Um, no, thanks for asking, Mike. Um, always good to have opportunity to care and share without a doubt. Uh, presently in just outside San Juan, you know, we have a number of projects here uh, of which none were impacted by the recent weather in late September. Um, however, the assets we have in Florida at three houses that were impacted there, it's kind of it's kind of challenging to mess with masonry construction. It really just doesn't blow down the way frame, stru- frame structures do. But all is well. We're um, seeing lots of growth here as well as on the mainland in specific market areas that are landlord friendly, things like that. I know we'll talk some more, but um, wife is doing well. The five kids are doing well. We did welcome a new grandson uh, in, on October 4th, uh, nine pounds, 14 ounces. Stephen Springs the third. Oh my God. So excited about that, but he's a big boy. He's a, <laughs> he's a big boy. Uh, we saw a picture of him. It looked like he already had pecs, man. It was, it was too much, but, uh, but all is well with family. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But all is well. Business is doing is doing well, uh, especially in the affordable single family space. Great place to deploy capital now. Uh, I just put out an article um, that came from The Economist. And as we know, you know as we're recording that uh, probably tomorrow on Wednesday that the Fed is going to go ahead and bump interest rates another three, four basis points. And all that's going to do is take another block of buyers that essentially would have been in a position to go ahead and transition into home ownership and either keep them renting or going to be looking for an opportunity to possibly do some type of lease option or, or rent to own until they can get their debt to income uh, ratios back in line based on their current income or be able to manage the monthly payments based on the increased interest rate. So there's a number of things that are impacting the market, which also leads to valuation and data when it comes to making sure that we buy right yeah that's great i i love that point um i talk about the same point and the, the 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 good old substitution effect when people cannot afford to buy simply because the rates are higher they're forced to rent and they yes. still want the same quality product they still want to be in the same neighborhood just can't afford mm-hmm. to, to to get that house so they have to rent either an apartment or a house that is similar from the living yep. standard um and then generally, it helps push the rents up. So as a landlord, uh, high interest rates to a degree um, push the demand up. So completely agree with you. That's a, that's a great point. And then what happens with um, investor comps? Um, the market is obviously shifting. Affordability is getting hurt with high interest rates. So how is the software and your service adjusting for the um, 
for what's happening with the Fed pushing rates up, they're not done yet. They may start slowing down. That's what a lot of people pray that uh, mm-hmm. they will slow down, but they still got the foot on the paddle all the way down at this point. You know, it's interesting. Even the article I was reading, um, when we talk about valuation and affordability and people's ability to buy, there's there's a there's a conflict right now in terms of what the Fed is doing to raise interest rates, put pressure on pricing, and yet there are still essentially two jobs for every person that wants to work in the in technology space, service and stuff like that. So uh, we're still not fully employed or even moving towards that. So yes, the Fed is uh, raising these rates, which is you know reducing the affordability for people to be able to just go spend money or being willing to pay more for a property than what they would normally pay because interest rates were lower or their affordability was better. But there's there's just a, we're, we're seeing a unique and different concept in terms of what the Fed interest rates are doing versus employment. So we still have to have our eyes and ears and nose uh, to the ground just to make sure we're tracking. And at Investor Comps, with my background as a real estate appraiser, we tap into all the major market areas across the country. Those that are, uh, I'll use the phrasing, litigation states for foreclosure and or dispossessory of residents or non-litigation states. And where we're seeing is that, of course, on the coastlines and in particular places like Austin and or in the panhandle along Florida, where uh, not so much on the East Coast, but more on the West Coast of Florida, we're seeing that there is a real contraction in terms of pricing as well as days on market where property is concerned. And therefore, that whole affordability factor really is showing up in the areas that had obviously the highest appreciation. In market areas where there's somewhat more of a balance, not a complete balance, but more of a balance in terms of the working class communities that make up the vast majority of buyers in places like Huntsville, Alabama, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in the metro, uh, pardon me, the outlying suburban area of Denver, outlying suburban area of Phoenix and or Las Vegas, those prices that are still within the FHA number, which is right at $417,000, those buyers are really just being compressed based on their debt-to-income ratio. They're still willing to pay the higher rate for a home because they want to get into home ownership. Their challenge is that the higher interest rate has, I mean, at this point, doubled the monthly payment on the same home that regardless of price, it's just the interest rate's gone up. So therefore, they're having to sit tight. They're in a situation for investors, the ones that you serve, the clients that I serve, where there's a there's already uh, landlords that have properties ready to either continue renting or offer them potentially as lease options, where now that landlord takes away the responsibility of having to do the maintenance, do the repair, stuff like that. They pass that on to a potential lease to rent or lease option buyer at a slightly higher rate, but in the communities, as you shared, Mike, where that person may have already wants to buy. So there's still activity being created for individuals that are being priced out, mainly based on interest rates. Um, but we're also still tracking the dynamics of what homes are selling for. In some areas, the data says that prices are only coming down some. I do a wealth of business in the what we call the Southern Crescent 
of Metro Atlanta. Um, there's about seven or eight counties that are south of Metro Atlanta. The pricing hasn't really shifted much there, but the ability as far as affordability when it comes down to interest rates and what those monthly payments would be are making the buyer pool smaller and also having a longer days on market for the individuals that may have acquired that property fixed and flipped, or if it's a family that was looking to sell, and now they're pretty much having to wait much, much longer to get a buyer that can qualify and take over that asset as they get ready to transition. Now, it's not happening everywhere to everybody, but when you can look at the data and see exactly what transactions are taking place, who the buyers and sellers are of those transactions, it gives the clients that we serve in the investor comps community a really significant edge to make smart decisions. Yeah, I appreciate the great insight. Uh, a lot of great nuggets. And uh, the bottom line is investors have to be even more diligent now looking at the recent data, mm -hmm. uh, reflecting transactions in the last few weeks, 30 days, not three months ago. Right. Uh, looking at the time, uh, days on the market, looking at the uh, recent, again, sales or listings, because yeah. the data is just so, uh, it's, uh, it's so time sensitive. Yeah, even, yeah, a good even right now, a good thing to watch as we're looking at sales data is also monitoring uh, if, in fact, the, the number of days on market for assets, uh, whether their assets are being put out by investors that are offering different funds and activities to see if there's any contraction in the prices. But then um, one of the things that we really focus on with folks in the investor cops community are tracking those municipalities that are doing digital filings because it allows the sales data to populate so much quicker. Not everyone is actually doing digital filings. So you still have some lag time in terms of when that when those actual transactions are showing up. Um, places like uh, DeKalb County uh, outside Metro Atlanta, um, they file and it's it's there. You can see the transaction within a matter of maybe two to three weeks as compared to two to three or four months in Fulton County, right next door. Um, they both have similar populations, same amount of activity, but it just really uh, depends on if they're doing digital filings of recording records or manual filings of recording records. So we even help folks take a deeper dive into where they want to invest or where they're actually investing in opportunities that come their way. The data really does drive the uh, essentially the success that folks are having and not being caught off guard when it comes to deploying capital. That's right. So uh, that's that, that last minute business intelligence is critical. I'm completely in agreement, especially in the changing market where everything is very dynamic and using data from three months ago is uh, incredibly stale and incredibly, you know, it still has a value, but it has much, much less value. So let's go forward in this discussion. Um, so where are the opportunities to invest today? Because the market is still shifting. Uh, all the points you mentioned are absolutely uh, gra great and correct. Well, I mean, it may, it may not be <laughs> great, but they're correct points that you got to monitor the data and times when the market is increasing and the number of buyers is shrinking and the rates continue to go up. So the sellers are getting more um, on edge, uh, more concerned because they, they're not getting the prices they want. Fewer buyers can afford the, the product. So where do you see the opportunities as, as fresh money deployment? Is it better to sit and wait or are there still good deals that folks can invest now? Or is it just better to basically loan some money for the short term, get some yield and then 
look for the, the time when the market will bottom out, the Fed will stop um, raising interest and and is, you know, maybe is it better to sit on there on your hands and wait for three to six months, maybe longer? I, I really see it this way, Mike. The smart money is in deploying capital, particularly around rental assets. And that could be individual single family. It could be small multifamily or it could be larger um, fund application where larger multifamily is concerned. Um, that's where the smart money is, is deployed. Now, there are investors that obviously have larger chunks within their capital to stack deployed that would go towards funds and or syndications. But there's also good opportunity in smaller balance, um, you know, anywhere starting in the $20,000 range, maybe up to $150,000 range and deploying capital in assets that are going to actually pay some yield. Now, one of the caveats to doing that is you still want to look at the term of the note. Uh, if you can get something that's in a 24-month range, that's good. If you can get something that is, you know, 24 to 60 months, but has a capital call option where if, if, if something comes up and there's a shift individually, you have that option to pull capital back within a reasonable time frame. But sitting on cash, is I don't ever recommend that um, other than, you know, the, the, the three to six months you just got sitting, that's emergency. But when it comes down to those of us in the investing space, you want to be in a situation where you don't have any lazy money. Uh, deploy strategically, but in the single family, small residential, even um, there, we, you and I know individuals that are doing investments in uh, bill to rent. That certainly with the advent of what's happened in the inflationary market, pushing the incomes up on those assets, as long as you're able to buy right, um, don't you don't want to buy at full market. You still want to do something that's going to allow some equity space in there as a hedge if, in fact, the market or you invest in does see some contraction in prices. Last thing you want to do is, I mean, I've got a client right now I'm working with that bought a home for three fifteen. The rents on it are $2,400 a month, which doesn't meet the 1% test. But because they're in the West Coast, that money looks like it's really well deployed. And they did put leverage on it. So they, let's say they put 20% down, they leverage the rest. So there's there's a cash flow position there. But there are other market areas in the Southeast that afford you still a 1.15, 1.5% acquisition price versus rental income. We have a property under contract right now that is in the metro uh, uh, Bibb County area in Macon, Georgia, which is a strong working class. They have a number of uh, plants there that are run, operated by Southern Company and therefore generate power for Georgia Power. And we're talking about acquiring assets that are roughly $115,000, but they rent for $1,600 a month. Those are positions that give you much, much more leverage one in terms of the income as well as the uh, overall, uh, let's see, comparable and or income value of the asset in the market area. So those are the things that we, not, not just specifically that area, but we do it some in Northwest Indiana, Detroit is still a good market and be able to be in a situation where you're above that 1% income versus acquisition. Uh, and there's other market areas around the country, uh, but investor comps allows us to look at that data for all the major marketers, you, everybody can make really, really good decisions. But smart money, I really think focusing in on small assets, single family where rents are concerned, or 
engaging in funds where multifamily is being acquired and or having a capital improvement done to it, that's going to be the area where you you can still strategically deploy capital rather than having lazy money sitting on the sideline. Yeah, thanks for all, all that great nuggets. Um, yeah, lazy money is, is, is generally... Um, not good in this environment. Well, in any environment, there, right? In in right. You know, high inflation, the cash can only be used for two purposes. Uh, one is just operating reserves, just as you said, three to six months, or mm-hmm. as a dry as a dry dry powder, right? It's um and and the only other consideration consideration for cash, if you if you're investing in the market that's that's dropping, right? The cash is better than than the dropping assets, uh, from that right. perspective. But right, I, right. I do agree with you on the multifamily front. We, we do a lot of work in multifamily investment and uh, mm-hmm. the value of projects with a lot of forced appreciation through the work uh, in the steady eddy markets make make ton of sense. Um, mm-hmm. So again, like, like Detroit, we, we have the projects uh, talked about, the, the Michigan too, and then we have another one coming up. Um, we, we love that strategy because these are steady, predictable markets and affordability is high. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. ability is high uh, for folks to rent. That's that's a key consideration because they can't buy. So what what happens? Yeah. They will continue to rent. They'll continue to pay higher rents. Exactly. And at, so at some point of time, at some point of time, when the rates cycle all the way back down, they'll be able to move to a different asset. But at that point of time, the lower rates will be welcomed by by everyone else. And a single family residential product, it's it's what uh, sort of America is built on, right? Uh, every everybody it wants is. to have a dream home and um, getting a quality asset um, uh, with, with a steel cash flow uh, is good. It, it, it's, it's gotten, I guess, it's gotten a whole lot more difficult to cash flow with rising rates for investors. Uh, but as you pointed out, a few markets where you could still have price mm-hmm. to uh, or uh, uh, rent to price ra- ratio, um, rent to price ratio could be one percent mm-hmm. or better. But it, it's yep. it's gotten a whole lot harder <laughs> to get to cash flow. When the rates were half the uh, half the current rate, so folks, whatever was the cash flow before well, that property, for example, if somebody just use, use an example, they bought it for uh, hundred fifteen thousand, and mm-hmm. then it's renting uh, for what? And what would be the debt service? Get, and getting eighty twenty loan now is very hard. Probably it's seventy thirty nowadays, right? And that's that's probably yeah. as much as the bank. Because the debt, it's the it's the ratio, it's the debt service coverage ratio, debt to income ratio is what qualifies. And even for investors, the banks underwrite pretty tough nowadays. Well, one of the things that we really engage in, and this is all about taking a valuation first approach to real estate. Um, when we're deploying, and of course, you realize, you, you know, Mike, that we also have our company, America's Discount Home Deals, and we help uh, investors with acquiring turnkey properties and or doing lending deals. Um, that particular asset already has a market value about 10% higher than what we sold it to the what we will sell it to the investor for. And so it's going to be somewhere in that 129, 131 comparable sale range. I don't I, I'm going off the top of my head. I know we offered about 10% higher. So um, when you're talking about putting down 30% or be in a situation where you're going to apply leverage with local banks. Um, the One of the banks we do, I'll just call them by name Murray State. What they do is a business loan. It's not really a mortgage. And they will fully amortize that thing for 15 years. So this is the investor that doesn't need the cash flow now, but is looking to get that asset free and clear. 
And so it'd be a fully amortizing note. The rate is still very uh, favorable, right? About six and a half percent. And that asset based on the income that's coming in, one will be able to either accelerate the, um, the principal pay down or still have uh, some modest cash flow left over, even on a 15 year amortizing note. So it really depends on the strategy and uh, the cycle of life that an investor is. We go by what is it, age and stage of your investing. That's what's going to determine how you deploy and or apply leverage to assets based on whether you need the cash flow or if you're striving to get assets free and clear. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, the example you just gave, uh, what, you, what used to be called a clean, clear cash flow deal is now really turns into a growth deal because 15 mm-hmm. year amortization is hard to cash flow versus 30, substantially harder. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, you have to put more money down. And um, yeah, it's interesting how you you describe it. It's a business loan with a mortgage being a collateral. There's probably some, uh, but it's, it, it, it's a, I would say that bank that you just mentioned, some kind of small or regional bank or community bank exactly. that it is. hold the loan in their portfolio and they're perfectly comfortable mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, with the debt-to-income ratio. But for an investor, it's a growth deal, no longer income deal. Unless they right. become a lender, as, as you mentioned, you have a product where folks loan the money to your company and your company is, a, mm-hmm. is the owner and the landlord and they just get a yield. In this environment... Um, if folks are looking for yield, it's very hard to get a yield out of that equity investment. You have to be a lender to get a yield in this environment. Just returns on equity, the cash on equity, it's very, very hard to generate uh, on, on these deals. And I, I don't know it's going to get any better for the following you know, three to six months until the rates start going down. Because the unless yeah. the prices start falling further, right? You have to either buy better or get a better financing. It's like a, you know, it's a seesaw. As, as the rates go up, you don't buy better, uh, and, and it's it's going back to the Fed. They're actually doing exactly what they 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 wanted to do. It is a demand destruction. They've already hurt certain sub sub industries, like mortgage refinancing. The industry has dried up substantially, <laughs> and a lot of people lost their jobs. But you had a great point earlier, and um, the certain industries there's still massive shortage of. Uh, Qualified and skilled labor, yep. and uh, companies in those in, the, in those industries are not eager to lay people off. They're going to have to take a whole lot more pain before they're going to consider some layoffs because they have job openings and they're afraid to lay people off. It's a, if it's going to be a recession, it's going to be a really weird recession where uh, Fed is pushing the rates and pushing the rates, but many companies don't want to let those people go. It, it was hard to get them on board. No, so it, no. it, it's 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 going to be a weird situation. Anyway, any any thoughts on this and uh, on just on this subject? Um, so, any, any thoughts? Well, you know, my wife and I always say um, th- there's one thing that holds true: if you want to work, you can get a job, and certainly one that is going to compensate you well. If you want to keep that job, you can certainly do that as well. And that's just you know the dynamic of of table talk and or with associates and friends that have children that are in the workforce, whether it be in you know, more skilled, technical, um, medical and or legal spaces or engineering spaces, or those that are still, um, um, we have a daughter, she's in graphic design. She's never worked for anyone. She's literally an independent contractor and her walk through life is one where 
she lives to she works to live not live to work and she's still a renter as much as she's seen us be homeowners and she has siblings that are homeowners that's the space that, she, that we live in so we take um i guess feedback from the cross-section of either family and or friends that we engage with and so the workforce and or the economic dynamics we can apply our historical perspectives to get some grounding, but we still have to have our eyes wide open as to what are the tendencies of the economy and the workers in the economy today. So, Mike, we just got to keep our eyes wide open, nose to the ground, watch the data in the ways that we traditionally know how, but also allow room for flexibility in our analysis. Otherwise, we're just going to get left behind and certainly we won't be able to service and advise our clients, all those that we serve, as effectively as we do now, because we are actively digesting the information in the marketplace. Yeah, thank you for that wisdom. Yeah, I love how you put it. Your 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 daughter, so she lives to work, not works to live. Did you say that she 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 works to live? To live. So there's not this. Um, what's the phrase? She's more of an existentialist. There's not a lot of clutter. There's only a you know one or two pair of shoes. Uh, and again, I'm just kind of use this as example. It, it very much is. Uh, I'm going to go and I mean, she's traveled to Prague, to Czech, to Reykjavik, to Hawaii. I mean, she does the things that she wants to do, but it has nothing to do with accumulation. It's uh, I'm going to put in as much effort to be able to live and enjoy the life I have as compared to the work out there controlling and contracting the life that I want to have. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, many young folks, they, they take that uh, approach. They don't take an approach of let's start saving early. Let Instead, they just want to enjoy their life while they're young and travel and enjoy enjoy the world. And there comes a day when they start saving. By the way, that pattern is pretty common where, um, you know, years in the corporate world, this was really interesting and amazing data. I don't know, huh. We're almost running out of time, but I'll just finish this point. Uh, the savings rate, Savings and investment rate among younger people is generally substantially lower than okay. the savings and investment rate in, among folks that are beginning to think what's going to happen when they settle down, get a family, and think about retirement. Sure. And why, why it's important is uh, the biggest benefit is to start investing early. <laughs> okay. And most mm -hmm. folks just don't do that because they need the income early to enjoy life when they're young. But if they only start a little bit earlier, they could get so much further. Uh, yeah. but while time is on their side. Yeah, the time, <laughs> but uh, how would folks get a hold of you? Uh, it's investorcomps.com, but again, share your websites, please. Uh, appreciate appreciate your, your sharing, but you know, how would folks reach out? Absolutely. So two ways. We are at investorcomps.com. We have a wonderful support desk, a good team that can answer questions and engage. Mike, we really um, also like to invite folks. We teach how to do this virtual investing, um, being in market areas. Uh, the client we just served that, um, we sold two properties I was gonna share here, but um, in Sarasota. And so one of the investors lives in Indiana and the other one lives in Durango, Colorado. And so we helped them deploy capital as assets about three years ago. And the beautiful part about it, which we didn't get to talk is the equity share component that really enhances yield when you're doing lending. But my email is Mark, dot jackson at investorcomps.com and always here to serve uh, the community that you have in the big mike podcast 
Tempo Growth Fund, Tenco, Tempo Income Fund. Mike, I can't thank you enough. It, it is a joy to have opportunity to just to be a servant, without a doubt. Thank you, MJ. And uh, I'm honored and humbled to have you. Greatly appreciate your wisdom. We'll have to do another episode and we'll talk about on the follow-up how folks can invest as a lender and get an equity share in some of these deals. So we have to do part two of this episode uh, in the upcoming weeks. So (laughs) please go ahead and book the time. But this episode will wrap up. We got to stick with the the program. But let's do another one in in a couple of weeks. It'll come out. We'll talk more. Thank you, MJ. You got it. Take good care, Mike. Blessings and joy. Blessings and joy. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fund book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike Slotnick. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.